The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. A very good Tuesday, one and all. Day two of our week in full effect. We don't have to do another reverse chronological lightning round, which means today we could have a more standard iteration of Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris. Please, as always, drop me a follow on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. D-A-N is the first name. That's Dan. I think you guys got that one under control. Bespris, on the other hand, not under control. It's actually not that bad. It's only seven letters. It's B-E-S-B-R-I-S. But that R, that floats when people are trying to find me. Some of our good friends still send us holiday cards to Dan Bespis. But nope, the R is in the second half. Think Bespis, and then drop an R in the second half. Maybe that's the easiest way. You can just call me Dan Bespis. It's like how a child would pronounce it. B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter. Dan Bespris on Twitter. Uh, Hoopball is hoop-ball.com. They are at hoopballfantasy on Twitter. Many of you guys don't know that they send out news on players constantly. It's a very important resource. At hoopballfantasy, it's got a blurb feed, which keeps you updated anytime any news breaks in the NBA. And what that might mean for a fantasy player such as yourselves. Today's show, we'll recap a five-game Monday and get you set for a big 10-game Tuesday tonight. So we're going to go back to signing some homework. we got some handicapping to talk about as well. We'll drop that in. Uh, injuries on Monday night, rest games, longer-term things that have already popped up here on Tuesday morning. Let's dive into it right now. First, news of the morning. Kevin Love, his calf strain will sideline him for at least three weeks, which is, again, one of the big risks that... We, you, whoever took drafting Kevin Love, even though he fell quite far, you kind of knew that he was going to be staring down the barrel of some, you know, 15-ish games missed this season, and they're coming early. I mean, this will probably be a dozen missed games for Love at the end of this, at least. Oh, well. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. becomes extraordinary we already liked him a lot anyway so that sort of you know doesn't really change things all that much but certainly as you look at a little bit more of the peripheral stuff in Cleveland if uh if uh is it a Coro I think it's a Coro is the last name if he comes back from COVID protocol we saw he got a bunch of playing time in that first game of the year that love sat out so keep an eye on that on Sunday When Love exited after playing just nine minutes, most of the bonus minutes went to Nance. But that game ended up as a blowout, so it was a little bit hard to get a full read on what they wanted to do. I would venture to guess you might see one or two more additional minutes for JaVale McGee, probably a lot for uh, Isaac Okoro, and maybe a couple more for J.D. Osman. That would be the the float around. Okoro, the only one on that list that has any reason to real? I mean, you know, I guess if JaVale McGee were to somehow weave his way to 20 minutes, it would be something, but that, that's not going to happen because he doesn't have the positional flexibility that Love did, where Okoro, the rook, had 11-3 and 5 in 34 minutes in the opener. He came back and played 42 minutes in game two and did nothing. So, you know, either way, you're talking about fringy fantasy stuff here 
as a result of the Kevin Love news. Uh, guys are getting ruled out for uh, various rest. Al Horford is resting in the OKC's back-to-back tonight. George Hill, they're calling it neck spasms, but that's probably also a little bit of a rest situation going on, and maybe they just want to disguise one thing as another. And, you know, that sort of um, matters a little bit, right? We'll talk about that as we get set for the games this evening. It's going to create some new avenues in those games, but also ones that are likely not long-term stuff. And it's also why some of these guys, uh, some of these older guys with the amount of rest that we're going to get this season continue to be a little bit harder to have in head-to-head unlimited formats where that type of stuff really does kind of pop you in the teeth. But let's go ahead and let's start looking back at Monday. Let's get rolling on this one. I think we can keep this show in the 40-minute range. I don't know that we need to go ultra long today, but let's see what shakes out. Detroit at Atlanta. I thought this would be actually a little bit of a slower ball game. I thought the Pistons would have an opportunity to, to kind of, uh, I don't know, grind it a little bit, turn it into a, an uglier one, but there were a ton of free throws again. Trey Young had 15. He made all of them in this ball game. They shot the lights out. Atlanta hit 23 pointers. Everybody got to eat in a very high scoring game on both sides. The notables, Rajon Rondo looked actually really good in only 15 minutes. That's not enough for fantasy value. But if they happen to, you know, he it was a straight point guard time, uh, not a timeshare. That's not the right word, but split where Trey Young got 33, Rondo got 15. So neither one of them played a single moment at any other position on the floor. And if Rondo's job is exclusively to back up Trey Young, he ain't getting over 18 minutes a game pretty much ever. So that's nothing. Uh, Cam Reddish had a nice ball game. He's been playing relatively well. This team is still down bodies. Clint Capella came back. That was notable. Played 20 minutes in his return from Achilles' soreness. They'll be easing him back into things. But he actually looked pretty good even in only 20 minutes. Seven points, nine rebounds, and two blocks. As that starts to ramp up into the mid-20s, he's a must-start guy at that point. John Collins, 15-5, and five, with a block, a three-pointer, great percentages, very quietly just had another really good game, and if they would ever let that poor dude do something on the floor, he could really uh, fire the lights out of the building. I'll say this. Um, I know our buddy Brew has, has talked about it at, at great length. He's extraordinarily high on John Collins. I'm not quite as high on him. I thought he fell too far in a lot of drafts where he started going in the sort of mid-late 20s range, you know, with as poorly as he's played to this point, Collins, and like I think anybody who's been watching would say he's been pretty bad. He's number 46 right now, which, yes, if you drafted him at 25, he finishes in the in the 46 range, you're going to be pretty disappointed. But I don't know that it could be much worse than it is at this moment, and he's still inside the top 50. So to me, that makes him a bit of a buy low. I think even the folks that have him are looking at him and thinking, this has been a colossal disappointment. Get me something else. And so you might even be able to get him for, I don't know, somebody who is also performing very close to what he's at right now, which would be quite a get, considering people had to spend a, a decent chunk to draft that dude. But anyway, yeah, I mean, he's a bit of a buy low. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich had a good ball game. There's just... There's just a lot of bodies in Atlanta. I, I had every one of these guys kind of down on my board a little bit. DeAndre Hunter's been playing pretty well, but again, you know, no Gallo. As Capella gets ramped up, that's just going to continue to put the squeeze on the forwards on that team. It just, you know, maybe someone will be out at all times. I, I just, it's hard to count on that. 
On the Detroit side, things are beginning to crystallize a little bit. DeLon Wright came off the bench in this one. They they moved some bodies around. I'm I'm a little worried that that's going to be happening all season, but he had a great ball game anyway with 18-5-4, two blocks, great efficiency. And, I, you know, I'm a little worried that, well, whatever. Regardless, you know, he's a must-own, must-start guy at this point. Bench or starter, it seems like he's going to get enough minutes to be doing stuff in Detroit. Mason Plumley's locked in, starting center, big minutes, must-own, must-start guy. Jeremy Grant looks very good. Hugh, he played 38 minutes in this ballgame. He's going to be getting all he can handle this year. Josh Jackson slid into the starting lineup, played 28 minutes, and took 19 shots and had a big ball game, but that's not something you can count on night to night. Uh, Killian Hayes went 10-8. and eight. He's somebody you should really consider stashing for later in the year if you have a roster spot to do it, because at some point... Derrick Rose is getting phased out. Detroit is not in the market to win a bunch of ball games this year. At that point, Hayes will pretty much get all he can handle. Uh, the Josh Jackson thing, though, was more related to Blake Griffin on a rest day. And I think he's going to be on that schedule all season long. I, I don't think they're going to be able to move Blake Griffin. They should be able to move D. Rose, which means that at the guard spot, you'll see more open up on Detroit than you will in the front court. And Josh Jackson, by the way, He's not going to go 10 for 19 most ball games. We know that his percentages are a killer, even if he does take a little step forward. He's someone to monitor more so in points leagues if Detroit does eventually just kind of say, whatever, do whatever the hell you want, guys. I just It's not going to be this early in the year. It'll be some time before that type of stuff begins to shake out. Everybody was out. On the Brooklyn Nets side, I bet them anyway, and then they, you know, bet that probably should have hit, ended up going to overtime where underdog bets go to die, as the old expression goes. Brooklyn losing to Memphis 116-111. Jonas Valanciunas, good ball game, double-doubled with three blocks. Dylan Brooks had 24-7 and on a more efficient ball game, and Kyle Anderson is just rolling right now. Absolutely positively ride that one until the wheels come off. They might try to find space for him even after Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back. However, if Justice Winslow ever comes back, it's going to be tough to get enough time for all three of those guys. Uh, and I would venture to guess that, you know, JJJ is the guy that sort of rises to the top there. Also of note in this ballgame, two other really big things, actually. Brandon Clark played 29 minutes, starting to look a little bit more like himself. His free throws were awful. He went three for seven there. But 16-7-2 with a steal and a three-pointer. Six out of 11 from the field. That's the type of stuff that you're looking for, presumably with free throws kind of coming around. And John Morant turned his ankle late in this ballgame, expected to miss a little bit of time. We believe he's a relatively quick healer, but it's hard to know. In the interim, Tyus Jones is going to pick up the slack. He'll play huge minutes uh, going forward. He had 9-5-4 with a couple of steals. He is very much a fill-in option. However, if we get word that DeAnthony Melton is off the COVID protocol list, you might actually see a little bit of bonus Melton, and he's the more interesting fantasy player, at least, between Melton and Tyus Jones. So there's a potential short streaming situation developing on the Grizzlies. For Brooklyn, you throw this one out. DeAndre Jordan played 30 minutes because JV was on the floor. Jared Allen had 15 rebounds, but just in general was not a great matchup for Allen. JV's just sort of too big. And in those games, you might see a little more DJ. And if you want to just stick him on the end of your bench for that, that's fine. To me, like, the four blocks was fluky for Jordan. He hadn't had many four-block games lately. This is the ceiling, and it was good, make no mistake, 
But if it's three, four, five games in between where he has a usable one, that's a pretty hard argument to make when the useful ones are not even guaranteed to be all that good. Utah beat Oklahoma City on a last-second shot. Rudy Gobert, 12-10 with four blocks. He's off to a very good start this year. Uh, I believe Gobert is ranked inside the top 20, right? Not 21. So close. So close. So old man Rudy Gobert just chucking along so far. Mike Conley nearly triple-doubled in a very weird game. 20-10 and 10 with nine assists. And he now bounces back. You know, his first two games weren't bad, but that big one launched him into the top 75. He's scoring. He wasn't assisting very much until yesterday. Steals weren't there. Threes were there. Free throw percent will probably get better. You know, it's just nice to see him as a a functional fantasy player to this point in the year. I I think he probably tails off a little bit, um, but, you know, so far, so good. Donovan Mitchell ran into Lugentz Dort, and that slowed him, him down quite a bit. And we'll talk about Dort here in a second. And Boyan Bogdanovich got his stroke going a little bit in this one. 23 points, five three-pointers, also had a couple of steals. He'll just, you know, at some point this year, he'll settle into his top 90 range and everything will be okay there. Okay, Seaside, we're, we're continuing to get more data on what this team actually wants to do. And right now, at least on most non-back-to-back, and this was a back-to-back, but Looks like they're treating the second game as the back-to-back part of the this the B2B situation. Is they want, they want George Hill out there for floor spacing, for veteran guidance. They want Al Horford out there for the same stuff. And then they'll throw in their three young guys. Shea, who's still very young, even though we've been talking about him for a few years now. Dort and Baisley. Baisley playing power forward. He's not really a traditional power forward, but he had not 11 rebounds to lead the team by a lot. He's a very good rebounding wing-type player. And then Dort, who seems like he's made, and you know, look, and he's not going to go at 8 for, or 9 for 11 every single ball game. Not even close to that. But it does look like he's made some small strides offensively in this sort of abridged offseason. He had 26 points, 2 boards, an assist, 2 steals. I will make this prediction, and I don't think it's a hot take to say, that Dort's going to go on and off of waiver wires a little bit this year because defensively we know he's good. He had a couple of steals. We'll see if his tenacious defense translates into fantasy defensive numbers. He hit five three-pointers in this game, guys. He hit five of them. He shot 80%. He's shooting 61% on this short season so far in only two ball games. Remember, please, he had 15-5-2 with a steal and a block in the first ball game. He had 26 in this one. The limited sample size suggests that he will be coming back down to earth, and it's going to be a, a steep drop. However, he's playing 34 minutes a ball game. So to me, he's a must-own guy. I think you start him at least while he's hot, but the three and a half rebounds, one and a half assists is concerning if the three-pointers stop falling at their current clip, which they will. And if the steals and blocks aren't, you know, two combined per ball game. So this is very much a pickup, very much a guy you want on your roster, but also very much a best case scenario after two ball games. Believe it or not, I think George Hill, at least on a per game basis, because he'll be sitting out back to backs with stuff. I think George Hill will actually have a better per game ranking than Dort this year, simply because he does more stuff. He's a proven free throw shooter, proven field goal percent guy, proven steals and threes guy. He'll get you a handful of assists. I really like George Hill 
actually quite a bit, especially in Roto, where you can kind of stomach the missed ball games here and there. Uh, but he's he's in a great spot to take advantage of that role. While it lasts, I would also venture to guess that he probably gets traded at some point this year. I think it would be be wise for OKC to do it. He's showing that he can that he can still play. I don't know that there's any real question about that. He looked pretty good last year, also. But again, it could be months. You could be looking at two two and a half three months of Hill producing the way he is so far. He's number forty three through his first two games because he's just hyper efficient. That's just his game. He's he's very good at that stuff. So uh, get him on rosters and start him for now. He looks great. And, you know, I, I, if he, if, even if he misses tonight, I think he'll be back for the next one. I believe they're not going to rush him. Old guy they want to move at some point this year. But, yeah, he belongs on rosters. He's been really good so far. Excited about my guy Hamadou Diallo in 30 deep. Looked good in 20 minutes in this ballgame. 7-6 and six with a steal and a block. I can dig it. Denver opened up a pretty big lead on Houston thanks to Nikola Jokic posting a monster triple-double. 19-12 and 18. Three steals, a block, and a three-pointer. Whoa! James Harden, 34-6 and 8. Yeah, that's why you draft him first. Christian Wood looked great. P.J. Tucker did not play 40 minutes in this ballgame, which is probably good for his health. They are willing to use Bruno Caboclo a little bit. Not enough for fantasy value. Uh, David Nwaba... Played pretty good minutes, 32 of them at shooting guard. But, but, Boogie, Wall, Eric Gordon, all out. So throw it out the window. Throw it out the window on the Houston side. Denver side, Gary Harris. Signs of life from new Tony Snell, Gary Harris. Uh, even with this better ball game, Gary Harris is still number 187 through his first three games. No one does less with more than old Gary Harris. They need him out there because defensively he's very good. But no, you're not biting on this one. Millsap looked great, 19 points on only eight shots. He's been pretty efficient so far. If I would, you know, go so far as to say uh, very much unspectacular, and he's ranked outside the top 130 on a per-game basis, thanks to, I think there was one game in there where they either got blown out or did some blowing out, and so he didn't have to do very much. But it does look like, you know, if healthy... Millsap is the starting power forward, and he's shown himself to be uh, super efficient. He plays like a really efficient guard now, late in his career. Someone asked me if I was worried about Will Barton after this ballgame. He had 11-4 and with a block and a three-pointer, which is still decent in 23 minutes. And of course, he didn't play in the fourth quarter because they were whipping him. It was a beatdown. Look at the minutes in this ballgame. Only Jokic was out there for a decent chunk of time, and I think it was largely to just pile up stats. Michael Porter Jr., 24 minutes. Millsap, 25. Jamal Murray, only 31. So, yeah, don't worry. Portland Lakers. We like this one. Like this one. Tweeted about this one quite a bit. This is playoff revenge mode. Damian Lillard, 31. Gary Trent got super hot, like white hot. Scored 28 points on seven three-pointers. He's going to get picked up everywhere today, and he'll be dropped everywhere after his next dud because it's coming. C.J. McCollum's been brilliant through the first, uh, I think it's three games now for Portland this year. He's basically a first-rounder. If you can flip him for a top-30 guy, you do it, obviously, because he ain't keeping this up all season long. Uh, Rob Covington, still, the shots aren't falling. Here's the thing about Rocco, though, and, and the wonderful thing is he actually led the team in minutes played yesterday with 38. Even Dame was at 36. 
So Rocco, if you're looking at the, the Blazers, who led the team in minutes played? Rob Covington led the team in minutes played. So I don't, I don't want to hear anything about people being worried about Rob Covington to this point in the season. He has been uh, extremely cold. There's no doubt about that. He's been extremely cold to this point in the year, but he's playing his minutes. He got his four defensive stats in yesterday's ballgame. The thing that didn't happen is that he took nine three-pointers or nine shots. Only two of them went down, and none of those were three-pointers. If he hits two threes in yesterday's game, then it's 10-6 and six with six cash counters. That's Rob Covington. Didn't turn the ball over at all. He will be fine. He'll be fine, guys. He is very much, in my estimation, a buy low. I think. I mean, like, you guys might disagree with me. I don't think that's a hot take at all. Rob Covington, to me, is very much a buy low at this point. So jump on that. I don't know what you need to get him. He was probably drafted in the 50s, maybe. Something in that neck of the woods, probably drafted in the 50s. So if you have someone you drafted in like the 80s or 90s that's overperforming by a little bit, go get yourself some Rob Covington because he's going to be fine. The thing that's a little bit weird right now in Portland isn't Rocco because we know he runs crazy hot and crazy cold. The weird thing is Nurkic and Ennis Cantor, who have uh, wound up in an early season timeshare. Cantor's actually looked quite good. 12 points, 14 rebounds. He was gobbling up all the boards yesterday. Portland actually out-rebounded the Lakers. Yeah, the monstrous Lakers got out-rebounded by the Blazers. But that's, again, you know, this is what this is what effort on a nightly basis will do. The Lakers, us, LeBron and Dennis Schroeder had effort in yesterday's ballgame. I don't know that many other guys did. Anthony Davis most definitely did not. He was full on out to lunch, and maybe you blame it on whatever little injuries he's got going. But AD doesn't have a blocked shot in three games so far this year. So he's just not, some of it's mental, some of it's physical. He's just not really, he's not really engaged with what's going on so far, you know? Like, he's very much suffering the effects of a championship hangover. It's real. It's real, ladies and germs. It's real. Uh, Anthony Davis, I don't know that you can actually call him a buy low because he's Anthony Davis and somebody probably took him second overall in their draft. Uh, but if you can go get AD for, I don't know, you have a second rounder who's just dunking right now, go try. Or even a late first rounder who's dunking. They're, the rest of the league is just not able to keep up with what he can do on a game-to-game basis. So go try to get him before he becomes too expensive. Right in the middle of the show here, before we turn towards Tuesday, we just got a news break that Kristaps Porzingis was a full go in practice today. Uh, and now they're targeting a potential return in the next two weeks or so for Porzingis. So this could end up being a really interesting twist. This is a guy that I think a lot of us were expecting would miss most of January. And now maybe we're looking at a return by the middle of the month. So if you got him in the 70s or 80s or whatever I mean, that could end up being a massive steal. And, and still, I believe that you don't want to draft injured guys to start the year. You just, you never know when they, when they get back. And on top of that, with Porzingis, once he returns, there's going to be probably a week, two weeks, maybe more of ramp up. So you're probably looking at February where he's 
getting ready to go, I guess. So let's continue to get off to a quick start. Let's not worry about that right now. There isn't a whole lot you're doing other than completely abandoning ship on any big men in Dallas, which we had pretty much done already. Want to take a moment here also before we break down our, the Tuesday card, and it'll be uh, a pretty big one here because we're going to do fantasy and betting stuff on uh, on all 10 of these games. So we've got a little haul. Want to remind all you guys that uh, there's a lot going on right now in the HoopBall Discord. The HoopBall Discord is the place to be. It's got DFS channels, full season fantasy channels, betting channels, just general NBA team channels, DFS pass, fantasy pass, wager pass, the HoopBall 360, all of our monthly memberships at HoopBall come with DF, uh, Discord access including nightly tweet storms. Many of you guys know my tweet storms uh, from social media. Those have now moved into the Discord. They come in their own thread. They're very easy to find. I do them with our buddy Adam King, who you've heard on this show a couple of times as well. Uh, you've got nightly live chats with the HoopBall pros. That comes in a thread, so you can just hit them up about your team. They'll answer questions for about an hour. Some of them, many of them have actually gone over that mark. It's just an incredible place for access to the best of the best here at HoopBall, and some of the best fantasy players out there. You guys, the premium subs, the, the listeners of this podcast, you guys are the other ones that are not the pros in this chat. So you're getting great advice from pros. You're getting great crowdsourcing from some of the, uh, the, the most dedicated fantasy players out there as well. It's just fantastic. And again, you know, the DFS pass is only $1.99 a month. Fantasy pass is $4.99 a month. The wager pass is $9.99 a month. All of it rolled together is $12.99 in the HoopBall 360 per month. There is no commitment right now. The season has started. You can do it for a month, decide you don't like it. I firmly believe if you get in there and, and check it out and see all the amazing stuff you get with the Fantasy Pass in particular or HoopBall 360 or the Wager Pass, you're not going anywhere. You'll be with us forever. So check that out. Go to hoop-ball.com. Uh, we, we love you guys for doing it. This is what powers us. It's so very little. $4.99 a month. It's nothing. Come on down, man. Like, the Discord alone is worth it, and you get so much other stuff on top of it as well. Let's talk about Tuesday's games. Tonight, Boston is at Indiana. This is part of an Indiana-Boston uh, home, not home. That is to say, both of these games are in Indiana. The Pacers won the game on Sunday by one. It was tight. It was last second. It was buzzer beater stuff. Pacers were able to slip by 108-107. A few thoughts on that ball game as we sort of look ahead to this one because from a fantasy standpoint, there isn't a whole lot there. The Pacers are, are pretty damn predictable. Uh, Victor Oladipo is back for this game, which is why the line uh, on Sunday had Boston by three. Now it's basically a pick em. That's partially Oladipo. About two of those points are Victor, and about another one of them is because Indy won that first ball game. For Boston... You know what to expect. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart. That's pretty much all you can count on at this point. For Indy, you got an Aaron Holiday start on Sunday. Victor back today. Demonis Sabonis has looked good. Miles Turner's been incredible so far this year. They've just... You know, the Pacers were good. That one... That was one of those over bets where I looked at it and I was like, what am I missing here? This should be a cruise to an over. And so far, they look, they look solid. Like, they don't have to beat everybody to hit their mark. From a uh, fantasy standpoint, there isn't a whole lot in this game. From a betting standpoint, there's quite a lot because this one ended at 215. The total on Sunday 
was set at 220. So it went under by five points. The total today in Boston, Indiana is at 218. So they have brought it down by two. But here's something to keep an eye on. That ball game, Boston, Indiana. The team, this is, this is interesting stuff, by the way. The team shot, Boston shot 51%, Indiana shot 51%. Indy by like a half a percentage point. The pace looks deceptive in that there weren't that many field goals attempted in this ballgame. Boston only attempted 79 field goals and only 24 free throws. So that, you know, if we do our sort of fuzzy math, gets you to about 91 possessions. But uh, they had 18 turnovers in this ballgame. So they actually underachieved their mark by about one possession for two reasons. The 18 turnovers were a big one, and 75% foul shooting was a big one. That wasn't very good for Boston at the free throw line. Grant Williams was uh, largely responsible for that, going one for four at the line. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, the guys they want taking free throws, went six for six. Jeff Teague was actually nine for ten while shooting 0 for six from the field. He had all nine of his points at the foul line in that ballgame. Indiana, kind of a similar story. They shot 51% from the field, 88 field goal attempts, so they had a, a few more in that regard. Only 15 free throws attempted by the Pacers in this ballgame, which was also a, a, a goofy low number. So again, fuzzy math gets you to about 95 and a half processions. But they had 16 turnovers as well. So they also underachieved by about one possession, maybe one and a half possessions, in their total of 108 points in this ballgame. Largely because, one, they didn't shoot very many free throws, and they didn't make the ones that they took. They shot just 73% at the foul line. So this is a weird one because... In a rematch, you figure defense is usually better, so the field goal percent probably comes down in the game tonight, but turnovers hopefully will be better, and free throw shooting will probably be better. In fact, I would venture to guess that there are just more free throws in this ballgame. I don't think Boston loses two in a row to Indy uh, on the same court. It's very hard in these in-season things to get them both. Uh, so lean to the Boston side and lean to the over in this ballgame, even though it's that rematch, and, and generally rematches, you, you sort of look to the under. Warriors at Pistons. Uh, it sounds like we're still a game away from Draymond, so the Warriors should be roughly what they were in the last one. Still buy low on Ubre if you can do it before this ballgame starts. You may run out of time tonight. Detroit is on the back-to-back after losing to Atlanta in Atlanta yesterday. That was the baby you could hear in the background. Uh, Detroit, they they should have their, their normal dudes back. So Blake Griffin, Derek Rose will be playing. I don't like Derek Rose as a fantasy player anyway, but you know, you're, you're watching to see what, what does a guy like a Killian Hayes get to do in this ball game? What about DeLon Wright? Otherwise, I think you have, we have a pretty good feel for Detroit after uh, a couple of early season ball games. Warriors. Yeah. I mean, you kind of know what you're getting there. Toronto is at Philadelphia. By the way, uh, Warriors favored by four and a half. Total in that ballgame is 226. Teams do not tend to play a ton of defense on back-to-backs. I would uh, consider the over, but I honestly, I just don't know if the teams can make enough buckets to get, to get it there. But yeah, lean to the over and um, lean to the Pistons. Warriors just haven't looked very good so far. Philly by a point and a half, I think, um, we're, I, I believe we're still waiting on word on Joel Embiid, right? Have we, have we gotten word on whether he's in or out yet? He's, I believe he's a game time decision as of this moment. Um, he's probable, excuse me, he's probable as of this moment. So he's expected to be in there. This is a pretty short line 
for Philly. I think some of that is built on the idea that Toronto's 0-2, and they are just, they're, they're hunting right now. They're hunting. They need a victory. They need it to come tonight. Philly looked really bad in their last ballgame, but that was without Embiid. And they're a little bit disjointed, to be totally honest. They're a little disjointed. They beat Washington, and they beat New York, and that's fine and all, but they lost in Cleveland, which, you know, I don't really call it. It wasn't really a letdown game because it's not like they had had tough competition yet. Toronto is the first good team Philly's going to have played this year, and we don't really know what they're going to look like against a good team. Um, my gut tells me that Philly can cover this one and a half, but I think Toronto is ready to explode. Total of 218 and a half. That feels very low in the modern NBA, but I think you're going to see uh, a lot of pick and roll type stuff. Philly's, Philly's kind of easing into their season a little bit. And then Toronto... They're going to play with a, a certain fire. So uh, I, I lean to the Raptors, lean to the under, but ugh, this one's a tough one, man. Fantasy-wise, uh, we're looking for Norman Powell to get going. That's pretty much it. Fantasy-wise, in the next one, Chicago's in Washington. I'm watching the minutes for Otto Porter. I think they do slowly creep up over the course of the year. He is still, even in his slightly heavy set manner, better than Patrick Williams. And they need him. They need him. Chicago needs him to play better. Washington's laying a lot of points in this one. Six and a half. Boy, that's a, a bad team laying six and a half is pretty weird. Um, if I'm assuming that there's nothing fishy going on here, I would have to look at the Bulls because Washington's just not good enough to be laying that much ever, really. Like, they're still trying to figure out Russell Westbrook and how he fits. Bertans, who's a big piece, is still on a minutes restriction. Obviously, Bradley Beal is very good, but... Man, that is that is a weird one. That feels that feels real high when you consider the fact that they like they just haven't been they haven't been that good. They blew a massive lead to Orlando, but and that was in the game without Russ. I don't know. This line is freaking me out. It's, it's sending my brain for a loop. Fantasy wise, on the Washington side. You know, not much. You're seeing if anybody besides Russ, Beal, and Thomas Bryant can get over the hump here until Bertans probably becomes the fourth guy at some point. Knicks are in Cleveland to take on the Cavs. Cleveland by three, total of 216.5. By the way, the total in that Washington-Chicago game is 237.5. That's a really big number. I can't... Uh, I'm not touching that thing. Uh, Knicks-Cavs. Cavs have looked really good so far this year. I, I am a little bit concerned that they're right in that letdown spot. You know, they just found out that Kevin Love is going to miss a few weeks, which is different than when you think you're just filling in for a guy for a day. They beat Charlotte. They won in Detroit. They beat Philly at home. You know, the question here is kind of, you know, did New York figure something out in their last ballgame? Was it Alfred Payton kind of getting going that woke him up? Julius Randle played well. Alec Burks is doubtful, which actually is a relatively big deal for them because he's been uh, pretty critical. I-, I would guess, without even looking, that most of the money coming in so far is on the Cavaliers. Um, this line opened at four and a half, and it's come down to three. And now I'm starting to wonder if maybe that means it's time to get back on the Cavs side with the line uh, dropping in their favor. Is it the Kevin Love stuff? Is that why the line came down? Is it is it something else? I don't know for sure. Uh, I would lean to the Cavs. I, I think they're they're better than people expected, and I don't. You know, I'm wondering if maybe I'm overestimating 
people catching on to Cleveland being like kind of good, not good, but like not horrible. And that's a season win total overbet that is in very good shape so far. Uh, fantasy wise with the Knicks, you know, everybody's watching Nerlens Noel at this point because he's really not getting a ton of playing time, but he only needs to get up into that 18 and 20 range to get there. If we find out that Mitchell Robinson is really supposed to be playing 33 minutes a game, then yeah, Nerlens ends up being uh, a massive miss, but I can't give up this fast. You know, it doesn't, it almost doesn't make sense that Mitch Rob would be playing that much, but you know, I guess it's sweet if he does. I think missing Alec Burks is a big deal for them. I, I think Alfred Payton is a guy we're keeping a very close watch on, probably a speculative ad in case he just has that starting point guard job now. Uh, we don't. I don't know the status off the top of my head at this exact moment of Dennis Smith Jr. and Emmanuel quickly, but... Whoa, something crazy just happened on Twitter. About 15 of you just followed me at the same moment, right in the middle of the podcast. That's weird. I got to find out what the heck's going on over there. In any event, um, yeah, so you're watching Mitch Robb. You're watching Alfred Payton. A lot of stuff going on with New York that we're keeping our eye on. Milwaukee, I couldn't care less. Oh, that was, sorry, that was the last one. Cleveland. (laughs) I'm looking at their game from Sunday. Get your head in the game, Dan. Cleveland, um, you know, Darius Garland is sort of the, the guy to watch, and then we'll see if anybody fills in for Kevin Love and, and moves into fantasy value, but I would very much doubt it. Total of 216 in that ballgame. That is the lowest total on the board, and it makes me think that this is going to be an ugly one. The total tells us it's going to be ugly. Ugly probably favors the Knicks, but I don't know, man. Clavs by three. How can you not with the way they've played so far this year? Anyway, Milwaukee is in Miami. This is a tough one because Milwaukee's laying five and a half, and that's frankly too many points. It's too many points. They're beloved, uh, but I also think that this line is pretty accurate. You know, it opened at five. Money's been sort of slowly coming in on the bucks, and it moved up to five and a half, and I like Milwaukee in this game. Uh, Normally, I would fade. uh, Normally, I would back a team missing their star in Miami with Butler out, uh, they're a well-coached team. They sort of know how to play without him. But I also think that there's some anger here on the Bucks side. And it's quite possible that this is why Milwaukee was so horrible in their game against the Knicks on Sunday. They might have been getting ready for this one. The look ahead. Yeah, it's real. This is a playoff revenge spot. Bucks got embarrassed by the Heat in the playoffs last year. I think they come out and I think they throw some serious haymakers. I like Milwaukee. I like the under at 226 ton of money coming in on the over in this game uh but i think the bucks are playing hard in this one with or without jimmy butler fantasy wise don't care don't care because butler's out for the heat so you just you know you take your whatever and then the bucks are very easy to handicap magic are in uh, uh okc to take on the thunder that's a six and a half point spread it's up with the al horford rest news and the likely george hill george hill rest news i mean i you know Backing the Thunder, I think, is going to be a pretty good idea for long stretches this year. But without their veterans, things can derail pretty quickly. Those guys, Horford and Hill, have been big reasons why the Thunder have been able to sort of hang with these other teams their last couple of ballgames and win one and then almost win one yesterday. Without the veterans, it's very easy to see things spiral a little bit. I don't like this because I think the line is relatively good. Magic are a decent team this year. Total is coming down. Only thing I would think is, you know, does this thing get into a little bit of a track meet? Probably leaving this one alone. Very few strong feelings on this game. Thunderside, you know, run the young guys out there. 
because they're going to get all they can handle today. For the Magic, uh, you know exactly what's going on there. Let's jump along to the next one. Timberwolves are in Los Angeles to take on the Clippers. That line is at 10 and a half. Opened at six and a half and jumped up to 10 and a half. That is a huge, huge line. I have to think that maybe that line was on the board before Carl Anthony Towns was ruled out for multiple weeks. There's really no other big explanation. We don't have word on whether Kawhi Leonard is playing, although at 10 and a half, I would assume that he is. But I don't think we can get ahead of ourselves there. A lot of people are telling me to take the Clippers, that it's just like, they're so good, they're going to blow this thing out. I actually kind of like the Wolves. Both of these teams lost by 40 or 50 points in their last ballgames. They're both coming off embarrassing losses. I think there's an assumption that the Wolves are 100% hapless without Cat. But here's what I would advise. And we'll do this on air together, because I actually haven't done this part of my handicapping on this particular ballgame, is let's look at the Clippers' schedule. The schedule can often tell us what we should be expecting from teams going forward. So I'm going to, as I'm talking to you guys right now, I'm not even going to pause the show. You're actually going to hear me typing the words Los Angeles Clippers schedule on uh, on my board here. They've got the Wolves at home, and then tomorrow they've got the Blazers. to back-to-back, uh, so maybe Kawhi does sit this one out. Yeah, he probably sits this one out and then plays tomorrow, uh, coming back against the Blazers. Then they've got the Jazz, then the Suns, then the Spurs. So they got all these big ones coming up. They're off that blowout loss to the Mavericks. I still, even with the, that blowout in the rear view, I do think that they, uh, I don't know that they're going to go the full 48 in this one. So I would actually lean to the Wolves' side. It's a hideous bet, and I don't think I can possibly convince myself to make it. But Clippers to cover 10.5 is, uh, is really big. That's a really big number. Two teams coming off embarrassing losses. Normally, I like to back a team off an embarrassing loss, but normally, they don't play each other. Fantasy-wise, you're looking at Nas Reed on the Wolves' side to see if he can be that fill-in option. You're watching Ricky Rubio to see what the hell his job is actually going to be on the Wolves this year. We're watching Malik Beasley to see if he can do stuff besides scoring at a somewhat inefficient clip. So there's a lot going on on that Wolves' side. For the Clippers, without Kawhi, uh, you know, I mean, Nick Batum makes a lot of sense as a streaming option with Marcus Morris still out. But... uh, yeah, I don't know that I'd, I'd dig too deep into the Clippers' side. Pelicans at the Suns. It seems lately like Josh Hart has elevated himself to the Pelicans' sixth man role, and so I think he, he and I said it two days ago, or yesterday, he's he's a must-own guy at this point. I don't know that you have to start him every single night, but you probably could, and J.J. Redick is uh, sliding out after that first ball game where we even said on the pod, this will probably be one of his better games this year because who the hell knows with this Pell's thing where you know that those guys are always splitting that who can do enough off the bench stuff the line on this game is suns by two and a half it's down a half a point i don't know how you don't back a Pell's team that's actually looked really good so far i like both of these teams which is a shame because they're playing each other uh pelicans have made strides faster than i ever expected i thought they were going to struggle at the beginning of this year they've been great they're locked in uh they're playing better defense that's got to be Steven Adams doing a lot of that this year. Um, they're, you know, they're competing. They're fighting. They're huge. They're a giant basketball team. It's hard to see them getting blown out in any game that's not on Christmas morning. Meanwhile, the Suns are also really good. They're, you know, they're, they, they're well coached. Chris Paul now, they've got a floor general. And this is just going to be a really good ball game. I would lean to the under in this one over either of the side. Because I feel like these two teams are both out to prove something 
And that usually means possession basketball. Take care of the ball, slug it out in the fourth quarter. Chris Paul is not getting out and running late. They're walking it up. Under. And then Nuggets-Kings. Nuggets, two-point favorite on the road. The uh, number is coming down in this ball game, and that does concern me a little bit. Nuggets on a back-to-back after a win over Houston yesterday. They could be a little bit tired. I don't know, man. This is a revenge game already for the Nuggets. They lost to the Kings in a weird game on their court not long ago. Uh, can the Kings beat them again? Maybe. Doubtful. Lean to the Nuggets in this one. I know they're the, the public road favorite, which is always a devastating thing to deal with. But uh, lean to the Nuggets in this ballgame as well. Fantasy-wise, in that late, that late one, uh, with the Nuggets, you're, you know, you're, you're kind of watching the peripheral guys. With the Kings, we're mostly just watching the big man stuff. You know, how many minutes is Rashawn Holmes going to get? How many minutes is Marvin Bagley going to get? What about Hassan Whiteside? Is he cooked? Do these guys actually get to do stuff? Uh, so not, not a big-time homework assignment type of game. And as I go through all of these, we sort of talked through the handicapping. We talked through the fantasy stuff. Homework-wise, I don't know that there's a specific team that we're really sitting on what's going to happen in this game that forces our hand in some direction. Maybe the Knicks. Maybe. I, like, I don't know that there's another team out there where we're just waiting for something to break in one direction or another. Wizards, Bulls, maybe is the other one, but that would be about it. This is a this is a minimal homework 10-game card tonight. We're sort of through that first week of crazy stuff, and now we're looking for the reasonable but kind of staying ahead of the curve type of type of stuff. Like we were talking about, what were we talking about early on the card, uh, or in our recap card from yesterday? I already, I already forgot the name. Uh, guys that are sort of floating around that maybe we're not paying close enough attention to that could surface a little bit as we move forward. There are those, those little types of things. But, yeah, nothing, nothing huge right now. So that's, I guess that's a, a burden off. All of the lines that are we discuss are brought to you by our buddies at mybookie.ag. Sign up now with promo code HOOPBALL and hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. I may have something for you. Oh, yes. At Dan Bespris on Twitter. Don't. Like, go sign up. First of all, it's free to sign up. So get yourself an account with promo code HOOPBALL. Totally free. They uh, they just need a phone number, I think, is, is all you need to sign up. You don't have to deposit anything when you make your account. So go make an account, a free one. Play their casino games. They got free blackjack every day, tournaments you can win actual money that way. And then let me know when you do it. It's not that hard to do. Go over there, mybookie.ag. It takes about maybe three minutes to sign up. You can play those free tournaments for cash every day. You can get in on their various contests. They run promos all the time. And then let me know. Hit me on Twitter, at Dan Bespard. Let me know you signed up with an account with promo code HoopBall. And I may have a prize for you. I may have a goodie in your name. Uh, at Dan Bespard, again, is the Twitter handle, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. It brings us to the end of our story here on this Tuesday podcast. Enjoy the 10-game slate. Big thank you, as always, to our buddies at Manscaped.com as well. Please check them out. And again... Go get a monthly pass with us here at HoopBall and join me in the Discord for our tweet storms, along with all the other cool stuff you get in that fantasy pass. Enjoy the day. This again was Fantasy NBA Today HoopBall presentation. Toodaloo, everybody.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.